Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsline with you on a uh, overcast and cool Thursday afternoon in Columbus. The Blue Jackets are off today. Another, another off day this week from training camp. They'll get back at it to get uh, on Friday. Next preseason game is Saturday, and then they come fast and furious after that. They have preseason games on Saturday against Buffalo, and then the following uh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, and then another one to wrap it up on October 7th. Opening night is but, what are we, two weeks away from opening night? We have much to discuss. Um, I think we've moved beyond the Babcock stuff, but if that's still percolating for some of you, we can go there. We can talk Patrick Liney back to center. We can talk the, the difficult roster decisions they've got. We can talk Pascal Vincent. We can talk anything you want. That's what the next hour is. You can step up to the stage and ask your questions directly to me. Uh, I'll bring you in. It went really, really well last week. And, and I think last year, I don't think there was a single podcast last week, last year where we didn't have some glitch uh, with the stepping to the stage, but it went perfectly well last week. So hopefully that's, that's come a long way. You can text your messages. Um, certainly we'll get to as many of those as we can. I'm working right now. I posted a story today about Patrick Line and, and, it, what appears it's hard to miss really how he has matured and begun to elevate reading into the dressing room when you're not really a part of it. So, you know, you poke around, you observe, and I think you, you, uh, measure your words, but it feels like, and this has been confirmed that he's now part of the leadership group, which is meaningful in its own, uh, own way. But just him taking Adam Fantilli under his wing. I'm not sure that's something he thinks to do two years ago. Not saying he's a bad guy. No one's ever asserted that. Uh, it just feels like he's starting to, to become more of a prominent member in, in the dressing room, not just a talented player. Um, but a, a guy that, that uh, is being leaned on in other ways. So it's a bit of a, of a new, uh, stretch for, for a line eight. Um, working right now and hopefully publishing this tomorrow morning. A roster breakdown because this training camp is really interesting and really nothing's been settled in the first week. You wouldn't expect it to. The first week is, is, um, is kind of just getting the system in. It's a lot of drills. There's some, there's some intra squad scrimmages to make it interesting for guys, but, um, it's kind of dry to be honest with you. The preseason games are rough in the early going. The lineups aren't great, but the, the play is. Is still getting back into the into the groove of things. Um, it's going to get really interesting now. The, the Blue Jackets have some tough decisions to make it forward. Uh, we can get into all of all of those because it is really interesting. And I don't remember a year in Columbus where it's been like this, where there's usually one or two guys that you think have a chance to make it, um, and, and could get interesting in the in the thirteen fourteen forward range. But Columbus has got some tough decisions. And if you think the decisions are tough at the NHL level, imagine what it's going to be like in the AHL, especially if some of these NHL guys on the bubble, and they, they have to, don't make the NHL cut and have to go to the AHL. They're going to have a boatload of, of players if they clear waivers. So uh, step up to the stage if you, if you wish. We, I have some text questions in here already, which is good. We'll get to those uh, here in a second. Um, so multiple ways to, to get your, your questions answered or your comments seen. Um, let's go first to Scott T who says, what are the injury, uh, latest injury updates? So, um, I must say this Pascal Vincent seems a little, maybe a little more mum about injuries than, than other coaches have been. Uh, but we can say, uh, this, Chinikov, among the forwards, Chinikov and Olivier are, are still out. Uh, Chinikov is said to be day-to-day. Olivier is a little little bit longer week-to-week. Uh, with Chinikov, it is a back. With Olivier, it is his leg. Um, Karvil Marchenko missed the first few days of camp with a back injury, uh, but he has now uh, returned and has, has skated uh, all of this week. On defense, uh, Jake Bean is out with an abdominal injury. That is said to be week to week and a tough break for Bean, who missed so much time last year with a shoulder injury. And uh, goaltender-wise, Daniil Tarasov is out with the knee injury. Now, this is concerning because the Blue Jackets really don't have much wiggle room there 
at goaltender. It is Merzlikens and Tarasov, the one-two punch, which understandably some people are a little uh, nervous about. Beyond that, it's Jet Greaves who has, has really succeeded at every step of the way with the Blue Jackets. I'm not sure they see him as being NHL uh, full-time ready yet. He certainly is working in that direction. Uh, but the longer Tarasov misses, the more worrisome that, that becomes. Um, who am I looking at? Aaron Dell. Spoke with Aaron Dell this week. Um, he's an interesting guy, and he's in camp on a tryout agreement. So he doesn't even have a deal at this point. I suspect he's going to get one and uh, be in the AHL. But one thing the Blue Jackets have to be cognizant of, and this is why Tim Burney is in camp on a PTO, uh, even though he's a restricted free agent, he doesn't have a deal. They have 48 guys signed, and there's a 50 contract limit. So if Dell gets one and Bernie gets one, they're maxed. Now, that that's not the end of the world. It, it's okay. You can you can get away out of a contract for, with some guys if you need to. But they, they want flexibility. Teams want flexibility. So the Blue Jackets have to figure something out here. Um, and goaltender seems to be the shakiest of all the positions, as of course it is. There's only... You only need two guys, but so if one of them's missing, it's a big deal. Um, so that's what we know about the injuries at this point. Um, it seems like everybody else is is good to go. Um, let's see. Uh, here's Samir I. Uh, hello, Portier. There have been lots of reports that the Blue Jackets had Fantilli number two in their draft list uh, prior to the draft. After watching the latest Behind the Battle episode, it made me wonder if Fantilli was really second or not. There seemed not to be the behind-the-scenes excitement recorded, whereas in 2015, behind the battle, there was a scene where Yarma mentioned we got our guy. In any case, I'm happy Fantilli is a Blue Jacket, but a gut feeling says they really had Carlson above him. Uh, so, Samir, here's what I'll say. Uh, please understand that that behind the battle is is edited, and I, I, it, it's very well done. I'm not taking anything away from it. It is. It should be seen as club propaganda. You're not going to see anything there that they don't want you to see. It's not completely transparent. It is a TV show. Um, my understanding is they did not expect Fantilli to be there for them at three. And if Carlson were there at three, I think they would have taken um, the other William. Who am I looking for? William Smith. Um, the the uh, the other kid because. I think Fantilli was just seen as as not um, not a guy that's going to fall to them at three. That that was the real kick in the pants from the entry draft. Um, so yeah, William Smith is, is would have been the pick over Carlson, I believe, and I think they were really planning on on Will Smith being part of their of their organization because Fantilli was just not seen as a possibility at three. So. Yeah, this draft could go down. We'll see. I think Carlson's a heck of a player. I'm not going to say that the Ducks made a huge mistake, but I think the Blue Jackets really it, – it, it's hard to overestimate how much things have changed with Fantilli's presence here. And the kid does have a presence. The veterans already respect him. Um, he is he's, – he's, he's the entire package. He's the real difference maker. It could end up being – uh, maybe the greatest blue jacket of all time, but we're getting a, a wee bit ahead of ourselves here. The kid's extremely, extremely skilled and talented and size, speed. He's got all that stuff. So this is going to be an exciting year just to see, if nothing else, to see where Fintilli gets to. Uh, Kenneth F says, we're going to get to the stage real quick here. We've got Paul B and Jonathan R waiting. We'll go first to Paul B, but uh, Jonathan C says, who has excited you the most in training camp? Thoughts on Jay? Gaudreau being in the second line. Um, well, I don't think Gaudreau is, is on the second line. I think it all depends on how you read the lines, but it's probably safe to not read too much into the lines at this point. Um, who has excited me most to training camp? You know what? I, I think it's it's been really good to see Texier back and happy. Um, I think that's that's one guy that's that's uh, he looks bigger than he did. He, not. Not more muscular. He looks taller than he was when he left. Um, I didn't used to look up to Texier. I do now when he's not on skates. He's every bit of 6'2". Um, he's that, and I'm, I could be basing part of this just on 
seeing him back and, and happy again as being a big deal because of, of all that he's gone through. Uh, and honestly, the early parts of training camp are really rough. Um, you can see how much bigger some of these guys look. Your check looks bigger to me. Um, Matejchuk has looked good, but it, it's really hard to judge. Um, I, I think these next five uh, exhibition games, really, especially the final four, will be really telling, and you'll start to get a look on guys uh, from there. Um, but yeah, the early parts of camp are, are kind of tough. Let's go to uh, stage. And Paul B, you are first on the Front and Nationwide podcast. Thanks for joining us, and go ahead. Hey, Porty, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've, I've got to read your the article, the interview you did with Merzlikens, and yeah, um, some interesting parts in there. Some parts that sounded like the old, you know same old Merzlikens, but I wondered what you took away from the interview with him what your impressions were, and then also what your uh, thoughts are on him. I haven't seen much of him so far this preseason, but how's he looking in practices and what you saw in the uh, one preseason game he played? Yeah, well, in a, in a way, um, in a way it was, it was the same old Elvis, very outspoken, very um, bold, colorful, certainly. He's, he's a, in that sense, he's a reporter's dream. Um, I thought there was some interesting stuff in there too. I get, I get his feelings about Latvia and I think people need to be careful that it was, it was not everybody in Latvia saying that he spoke out of line. Most people read that and understood what he meant by it, but there are some Elvis maybe needs to be one of those guys that just stays off social media. Um, because you, it's a sad world in that you do have to accept that there are, um, certain kinds of, of people uh, in the world, you know? And um, yeah, so the criticism is going to be part of it. Sometimes it's other fan bases. Sometimes it's fan uh, frustrated members of your own fan base. But the most important thing is that Elvis needs to play better. And I think, I think he understands that. I think the Blue Jackets have done everything they could this year. They they can't move on from Elvis, not easily, with four years remaining with uh, a, a pretty sizable contract. It's You can't buy him out. You can't trade him. Uh, they got to make this work. And so they surround him with new surroundings, a new goalie coach. Now he's a new head coach. Um, a, a much better defensive unit, you would think, with uh, Severson and... Provorov coming in with Wierenski being healthy. So the, the play around Elvis should be better this year. He has to be better. It's time for him to, to deliver. Elvis is 29. He, he came late to the NHL. He's older than a lot of people realize. He's not a kid anymore. Um, I do wonder if he um, fully grasps the requirements of a number one goaltender off the ice, how – Typically, that is a, a player that is part of the foundation of the team that is the consistent, reliable, uh, the bedrock that, that everyone else can lean on. I'm not sure he gives off those vibes, um, but the first thing he, he needs to do uh, more than anything else, quite obviously, is to just stop the pucks he's supposed to stop. I'm not going to read into the, the early preseason games because that that the play in front of him is as dicey and as goofy as it as it uh, can be with with different pairs, different players, players who will never be seen in the NHL again. Um, it's just a, a weird setup. But you would certainly like Elvis to look better uh, down the stretch in the preseason uh, to build some confidence heading into the season. Um, so thanks for the question, Paul. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, 
Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, let's go next to Jonathan R. Jonathan R., you are on Front and Nationwide. Go ahead, please. Jonathan R., you are on Front and Nationwide. Go ahead, please. How you doing today, Porty? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Glad to be back talking hockey again. Um, yes, just wanted today yes, to ask about what your thoughts are on the short term as well as the long term outlook of that right handed defenseman spot. Because, you know, I think it was kind of in the moment it was cool to pick up Severson um, and feel like, oh, man, we made a major improvement there on that right side. But at the same time, it also has created a very big log jam there right now let alone, um, you know, the future, because even if if you put your check back down in the, the AHL this year, you know, between him and Kuhlemans, that's two spots that ideally that those guys would be taking. But you've also got good Branson there for three more at this point, I think, um, and Severson for, for eight, which is kind of crazy to think that that contract is that long in, in a lot of ways. Um, so, like, what do you what do you think uh, that that's going to look like, not just this season, but in in future seasons. Cause I mean, I, you got to imagine guys are going to have to get moved um, probably sooner rather than later to, to fill those spots. Yeah, well, for sure. And, and like, it's, um it's really wild how loaded that right side is not, not loaded with bona fide NHL greats. I'm not suggesting that, but just bodies that look like NHL talent. I mean, Blankenberg is a right shot. Bogvist is a right shot. Good Branson is a right shot. Juracek is a right shot. Peak, uh, you mentioned Severson, Severson. Uh, he's there. So obviously you just need three. Um, I think Severson was important though, because you needed, you needed to add a top four bona fide right shot. And, and it looks to me like he's going to play with Varensky this year. So it, you needed that. Boakfist has been with Wierenski a lot and has been okay at times, but it really hasn't clicked. Um, Wierenski Severson seems like a more reasonable, a top pair, a more reliable one, at least at the start. So they need, they needed to do that because the other names I mentioned off, there's some promise there for sure. Um, but none of those guys, I think if you're, if you think you're going to be a much better team this year, none of those guys do you just slot in the top four. And go go forth. I mean, Peak Peak certainly is a is a, a a worthwhile player. He's a bit redundant with Good Branson. Juracek is a promising player for sure. I don't mind him going to the American Hockey League for at least a part of another season. Um, maybe when the salary cap expands, the Blue Jackets will have well, other teams will have flexibility, uh, and the Blue Jackets will have more of a market there. Um, something does have to give. I don't know that it has to give right away for them. I want to see how these guys, uh, frankly, perform in this super competitive atmosphere. This can only be good things if Blankenberg, Peak, Bokefist, and and you know, and and others aren't sure of an NHL spot. That's awesome. That that's the best motivator possible in a training camp. Um. So if all those guys come to camp knowing that they've got a spot, I don't, I don't know if it's if it's uh, if there's as much angst as there need to be. Uh, Pascal Vincent spoke yesterday about wanting a, wanting some nervousness in the room about your job. That's a good thing. Uh, the Blue Jackets face some really tough decisions. They hope they do, anyways. Uh, at forward and defense, um, the right side of the defense is as clogged as any position uh, on the roster. But I don't mind that right now because I think a lot of these guys. Blankenberg, certainly Juracek, even Bokvist has been in the NHL a long time. Um, but there's a lot of stuff there that still needs to be sorted out. Um, many of these guys are one-dimensional, and they're trying to form a second or, or third dimension to their game that makes them a, a, a useful player in the lineup. Um, so, yeah, I, I, something does have to give, but it doesn't have to give right away. Uh, let's go to Fritz K., uh, Fritz, you're on front and nationwide. Then we'll go back to the chat room. Uh, but Fritz, what do you got for us? Hey, party, you got me. 
Awesome. I got you. Thanks for doing What's this. It's great to be talking hockey again, as we alluded to. Um, yeah, thank you. Big uptick in the stories. Love to see it. Uh, I'm curious about this, and I know you've covered it. Uh, without getting into the whole, well, let's not get back into the Babcock crap storm, right? But um, curious, you know, as we're covering Vincent right now, one of the things that obviously excites fans or, or did um, about the idea of Mike Babcock was an increase in much-needed structure on the defensive end. Yeah. And, uh, you know, specifically, there was some talk about, you know, this move to line A to center and, you know, the you know how the fan base feels about that. But just yeah. the idea of this structure and specifically Babcock kind of talked about having two guys on each line that can play down low and play that defensive forward position. Curious um, if we're seeing a similar take from Pascal Vincent and uh, what could fans expect as far as. Are we going right back to a, you know, a hodgepodge man versus zone defense that guys are going to be lost in the sauce? And so curious what you know about that. Thanks so much. Yeah, so I'll reserve judgment until we see it. But my sense is that Pascal Vincent is is a hell of a hockey coach. Now, it's a different vibe, certainly, than Babcock was. It was said yesterday that it would have been interesting to see Babcock at least run one training camp practice. I mean, I think most... Most people agree he needed to go, and it was better for him to go when he did than to let this fester into a into the season. Um, but it, it's a different vibe for sure. Let's be honest. The front office thought they needed a disciplinarian, a tough guy, a guy that kind of intimidated players. Um, and Vincent is not that. And, and you know what? His, uh, to me, the true credit to the man is that he is his authentic self, and that's enough. He is a very impressive hockey mind. He's a great communicator. He may be exactly what they do need at this juncture. Um, I think he, I think he's got a, a real uh, sense of what he wants to build here. I don't know. I don't pretend to know why it didn't work uh, under Larson. It sure looked like it was working the first year, and then it just faded miserably last year. Um, Vincent is very highly regarded. Uh, Mark Recchi, um joining the staff, I think, is a expression of that. I had a great conversation with Paul Maurice for a story I'm writing about Pascal Vincent. Paul Maurice could have gotten rid of uh, Pascal after he finished his first season in Winnipeg. But in that short time, he came to really, really respect and highly regard Pascal Vincent and has some great things to say about him. Um. I think the Blue Jackets, this may be one of those things that that nobody expected it to to go play out this way, and yet it's a ultimately a lucky break for Columbus. I could really see that. Um I think they're going to to play well and play hard and play smart uh for Pascal. I don't know if there's going to be the fear factor that there was with a coach like Babcock. Um and I just hope that this team can keep itself motivated um without needing that because some some teams do need that. Let's be honest, the Blue Jackets felt like their players needed that. Um, so, but I, I don't think anybody can really say what this team is going to look like under under Vincent. Except the, the other question about Babcock and his desire to have two two hundred foot players on each line that had the promise of giving us some really different lines to look at. But a fair question is, do the Blue Jackets have eight 200-foot players? I'm not sure they do. They have a lot of young players with, with, with impressive dimensions to their game, but they're not well-rounded hockey players yet. Um, so you can want that as much as you want, as you want, but it may not be there for you. I think Pascal Vincent is, is applying the same system that was put together with uh, himself and Babcock when Babcock was the head coach this summer. They did a lot of work to build up this system that they're trying to teach now. And I, I think he's sticking to it is my sense. But you are going to see um, Pascal Vincent's stamp on this. I don't know that line A moves to the middle if Babcock is still here. He's willing to do that because so far Patrick Line has shown he's willing to put in the work. So there's um you know, there's going to be some differences, but I, I don't think I don't think they're completely abandoning what they came up with as a system. This summer, in fact, I know they're not. They're still trying to. They're still trying to to uh, implement it right now, um, and you look for that in the last couple of weeks of training camp now, because right now everything's just sort of been, you know, cram course and trying to apply it on the ice. Uh, Jonathan C says Bean and Boquist appear to be made of glass. 
had either ever played a full season, maybe we shouldn't trade any defensemen as it appears we run through them. Um, well, Bean has had tough injury luck here the last year for sure. Uh, Boakfast has, has had injuries, but he's healthy now. Um, you know, it's hard to cut bait on a guy like Boakfast with, with the skills that he has. If he can, if he can become a, a um, competent defensive defenseman, um, there's some, there's some, uh, talented, some talent in there. Uh, Johnny H says, you speculated previously several times that the Blue Jackets would likely sign a vet goaltender willing to bounce between Cleveland and Columbus in case Elvis or Tarasov got hurt. Is Dell the only choice there or are there other names floating around? Well, I would say Dell is the leader in the clubhouse because he's in camp. Uh, I spoke to him the other day. He's still got those god awful teal pads on. Boy, does that clash with the, uh, with the union blue. Um, but he's, he's got a, a, a friend of his that does design. And if he gets the call, if he signs a contract, I think the sense is he would get an AHL slash NHL contract. Um, then that can come together quickly. You can be rest assured the Blue Jackets are keeping a close eye on the position around the NHL. Um, because there are, there are teams with too many guys at camp and camp guys that will have to clear waivers. They may have their guy, their name, their eye on one of those guys, uh, for a claim to uh, pair with, with, um, Greaves in the American Hockey League. Let's remember this too. If an NHL team puts a goaltender on waivers, if the Blue Jackets claim him, he would have to stay with them at the NHL level unless they clear him on waivers. So there, there are some steps to take there. It's not a for sure bet. Whereas Dell, if you signed him right now to an AHL, NHL, well, now you're established with Greaves and Dell. At the AHL level, and probably Pavel Chayon at the at the ECHL slash AHL level. Um, so there's some juggling there to go on, but I would say Dell has as good a chance as any because he's here. Uh, Barrick N says Matejchuk looks good. Any chance he actually earns that third spot on the left side? Barrick, I think he looks good too. I think he'd have to look unbelievable to make the NHL this year. I mean, for various reasons. Uh, first of all, they've got too many NHL defensemen right now. Uh, second of all, if he makes it, if Yurichek makes it, can you really have two of your six defensemen be rookies in the NHL? Again, if they're, they're able, I guess you can. My strong sense is that even if he looks really good, he's probably going to go back to junior. Pa- Pascal Vincent said it the other day. He likes these guys. He wants these guys to be over ready. He doesn't want to rush anybody. That makes so much sense. It was kind of a breath of fresh air to hear somebody articulate it. The same goes for, for Dumay, who has looked really good. He would have to look incredible to knock out NHL contract players at forward. It's not the end of the world if he goes back to junior. There are things he can work on. He can go to. He can go to the World Juniors with Team Canada. What an experience that would be. Um, I think the Blue Jackets could bring him up right at the end of the season here if he's when he's done with Halifax, if they don't make a long run like they did last year. Um, it's not the end of the world if you have to wait on these guys and if these guys get another year of development. Um, but I, I may check does look good. He would have to look incredible to get that third spot. I just think that's just the reality of the situation. Uh, we'll take a couple more text messages, and then we'll go back to the stage. We've got Philip T and Philip W waiting. I ask you, is there any other podcast with double Phillips waiting? Ryan C says, what did you think of the Mark Recchi hiring? Um, I was impressed, and I was uh, pleasantly surprised by that. I think they're fortunate that a guy like that is available. Um, I understand that when he coached in New Jersey, the, the Devils' power play wasn't great. I would argue the, the Devils weren't great. He was not around for the blooming. Now, I guess you could say they bloomed when he wasn't around. Um, that team just wasn't ready to win yet, uh, clearly, and really took a major step forward last year. Mark Recchi is an impressive dude. One thing I really like is is I'm not sure that Pascal Vincent and Steve McCarthy moved the needle for – Young players, but these and not nothing against them. Um, 
boy, oh boy, when when uh, Mark Recchi steps before the room, those guys know him. That, that is instant respect. That is a Hall of Famer, three-time Cup winner as a player. He has scored 200 power play goals. Mark Recchi has. And I'm going to look here. Bear with me, dear listener. I'm going to look here. I don't think any Blue Jacket... Uh, first of all, there's not many Blue Jackets players that have scored 200 goals. Rick Nash, of course. Um, but, we're, you know, that is that is a lofty, lofty company there. And I, I asked him the other day, did, did he remember his his uh, 200th power play goal? He had he had no memory of it, which just tells you that man scored more um, power play goals than he can even remember. Um, let's see here. Blue Jackets goal. So Nash has 289. Atkinson had 213. Power play goals. The most power play goals ever by a Blue Jacket was Nash at 83. Mark Recchi scored 200. So now I'm not saying he's a great teacher. I don't know if he's a great teacher. I know he understands how a power play needs to work to have success. Um, so there you go. Uh, let's go back to the stage here. We have Philip T. Waiting to join us. Philip T., you are on Front and Nationwide. Please go ahead. Hey, um, I joined a little late, so I apologize if this has been asked already. But if sure. um, on opening night, Line A is playing center, how do you mm-hmm. think that second line ends up playing out? And do we see a situation where Boone Jenner finally gets you know the reduce in workload that we would expect and is able to play on that third line? Uh, good question. I think you're going to see a reduced workload for Boone this year, if, and not necessarily because of Liney, but because of Fantilli. Um, I still think Boone Jenner draws big minutes, so I don't see him. I don't see him being a third line center necessarily. I could see him moving to the left wing. Uh, yesterday, Liney skated with Gaudreau on his left and Marchenko on his right. That leaves Johnson. Um, that leaves, yep. I mean, others, uh, to fill the wing. They've got a lot of candidates on the wing. Texier's played high and we may need to abandon our idea of a third line checking line and instead just think of them as three scoring lines and a fourth line. Even that is up to some, uh, some consideration. How does Pascal Vincent want to form that fourth line? Does he want uh, heft and weight and grind. Does he want Danforth there? Does he want Sillinger there? Corrali? Does he want uh, players like that? Or does he want a skilled fourth line? Another wild card here, uh, if Liney moves to center, is what do they do with Jack Roslovic? Does he move to the wing somewhere? Because the center ice position at the top, if Line moves in there, you've got Line, Fantilli, and Jenner, um, if he doesn't move to the wing, clogging up the top two, three lines. I'm not sure what you do with Roslovic. And at the bottom, you've got Karali, potentially Voronkov. Um, so it's not exactly wide open there either. Um, so there, there's a lot still to pull apart here in the, the uh, final two weeks of training camp. The one thing I would I I would hope that we see is that they don't just play out the string and then make these switches before the regular season starts. If they're going to move Roslovic to the wing, I'd like to see him get a couple of preseason games there. If Liney is going to play center, which they now say that he is for now, I'd like to see him get some preseason games there. Um, they they need to sort of plan ahead for this rather than just get to opening night and see how it goes. Um, but there's there are a lot of variables here, Philip, and and we're foolish to think that whatever lines they come up with are truly the lines because my sense this year especially is that the lines are going to be uh, ever changing more than more than even in a typical year because there's so much uh, to learn about this group. Uh, let's go to Philip W now, Philip with one L. Uh, Philip, thanks for joining us, and you are on Front and Nationwide. Hey, Aaron. Uh, so my question is in regards to 
injuries and conditioning. I know there's been plenty of speculation from fans that maybe the team last year had so many injuries because of uh, poor conditioning. Obviously, you've reported like some of those are have nothing to do with conditioning, but <clears throat> I remember back and I think it was 2015 when we had the real, real big rash of injuries. Um, and I know a lot of those were like groin abdominal injuries, but the team brought in Nelson Iote after that as a high right. performance director or something like that. And he's since retired. And I'm wondering if they've replaced him, if they have somebody in that role. Um, and also, what have you observed from Vincent's training camp uh, it, in comparison to maybe Tortorella? Uh, with how hard they're working, what kind of condition they're in, or if the team is taking any special or additional precautions to maybe try to prevent injuries this year. Yeah, so there's a lot there. There, there is no Nelson Iote uh, replacement. The, the team has a very large, as all NHL teams do, training staff now, um, including specialists. So they have people who are tuned into that and they have a, there are, there have been advancements um, at an incredible level in pro sports to ward off injuries before they even occur I mean the, the blue jackets used to have I'm not sure if they still do this but there used to be a, a like a six foot long mat um, for lack of a better word that the players would walk across and a, a key fob would alert the system that it was this certain player. It would measure their stride, their walking stride across this mat. And if their stride was discernibly different than a previous stride, they would indicate that they have something going on, perhaps something that doesn't, isn't at the surface yet as an injury, but there's, there's tightness or difficulty on one side uh, of them or the other that is causing their stride to be different. And so uh, through massage, through um, testing, et cetera, they can ward off those things before they even started. That's pretty cool. Um, that kind of technology has been with us for a while now. And I think it, 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 um, lives on beyond, uh, Iote's time with the team. Um, as for Pascal Vincent's, um, training camp, it's only been a few days. I think the pace of it is noticeably, um, Quicker, I think there is a, a an energy to it that that wasn't there last year, if I'm remembering correctly. I think he wants practices to be quick pace, quick pace, um, push the push the tempo all the time. So that's good, and uh, I get the sense that a lot of players took their off season uh, training in a different direction this summer. Elvis has said as much. Liney has said as much. Um. I will say that, again, as you mentioned, a lot of those injuries last year, I don't think Zach Wierenski's shoulder injury is a result of him being out of shape or or uh, not ready to play. He, he fell awkwardly in the boards and muscles give, uh, give way. So it, it can just be bad luck from one year to the next. If it happens year after year, you're really onto something. The groin injuries were, were incredible, and they got to the bottom of it. But I don't see a commonality there um, that would lead them to believe that there's something amiss in what they're doing. But Ryan L says, what are the shortcomings of blanks besides actually being short? I feel like everything, every, I think you mean every time he is on the ice, the team looks better. Um, well, here's my thing with Blankenberg. I really like the player. And I've said this, I really like him being in the lineup. If he can play on the left side, I love him as the as the left side of a pair with Good Branson. Um, I really do. The only, and I don't even think his size is the issue, honestly, because he plays bigger than he is. The issue is him being healthy and available, and th that's where you get into the size versus playing style. Um, can he stay healthy playing the way that he plays? And can he sustain the way he plays? That that's that is the issue. He's still young. He's still learning to play in the in the NHL. I love his attitude and his his schutzbeier. Reminds me of a little Tory Krug, um, which every team has room for. But if he's not out there, then it's not really doing you much good. That is a concern. Not I don't really care about his size to be honest with you because he plays bigger than he is. Um, 
El Dudorino says, with so many forwards, is Jarmo pursuing any trade packages? How common are trades at this time of year? Um, I don't know if trades are common, but they do happen at this time. And he has been pursuing a trade uh, for a while now, all summer, really. He's got too many forwards. The problem is, so do other teams. And other, what, what else other teams have is not a lot of cap room. So finding a, a trade is is kind of difficult right now. But he does – he's going to lose some guys on waivers if he doesn't trade them away. Um, but it takes two to tango. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Alan C. says, how does training camp under Vincent look compared to Torts or Larson? Is it more organized compared to last year when reports were coming out? Uh, I don't remember what those reports were last year that were coming out. Um, it's not – so Torts's big thing the first few days was nothing but skating drills. Um, nothing but skating the, the guys into the ground. And remember how, some, how bad some of those early preseason games were because the guys had no legs. You haven't seen that. Um, I think it's been more up pace than last year, but not, it's not like it, like a torts camp. I'm not sure, um, if any other coach even does that, to be honest with you. Um, so DNB says, do you think the pressure of the power play and goal scoring will be the main focus in the first quarter of the year? Um, no, I don't. I, to me, the, the thing I'm looking for more than anything is can this team, Defend and can they play? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Can they play coherent hockey in their own zone? Um, I felt like they got overwhelmed last year way too, way too many times, Dan V. Uh, that's what I want to see more than anything. I'm not really worried about them scoring. Um, the power play is the power play, it's a very unpredictable metric. But they certainly have the pieces there to be a, a, a solid power play group. I, I've said this before, and I, I think this is w- where they've lacked um, more than anything. It's not the power play. I used to think when I first really started getting into hockey, to me, I thought the power play was all skill and the penalty kill was all guts and grit and grime and all those things we love in hockey. The older I've gotten, the more I've almost seen it as the reverse. To me, a huge part of a power play is your, your boldness, your confidence, your directness, your passion to get the puck back after you've, you've missed a shot or there's a puck battle. That hunger to re-get the puck back is a huge part of the power play. And I think the, I think that grind and grit is underappreciated on power plays and skill and fanciness is overstated on the penalty kill. You have so little time with the puck when you get it down low and so many tough angles and quick reads that need to be done that there's so much skill to the penalty kill. Then I think I realized at first it's, it is, it is toughness of course. Net front is not for the, the timid or the weak, but when you get the puck on your stick, it is about that quick snap decision, that read that you make in one half of a second, that if you wait another half of a second, it's not there anymore. Um, so I want to see them be tougher, more forthright, more confident, more bold on the power play. And I understand you can only get that with success, but I, I to me, that's the first step. They have a huge weapon. In Line's shot, they have a huge weapon in Gaudreau's playmaking, his ability to split the the, the gap. I think Wierenski still has a ways to go as a point guy, but he's a super talented guy with a very affected wrist shot. What does Johnson look like down low? Boone Jenner at net front is fine for me. Um, what about Fantilli? Is 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 he going to be part of this top power play unit? They've got all the pieces to be really effective. Um, I just don't think they're fully together yet on and they're fully understanding how dangerous they are. And I do think the the lack of success gets to you after a while. Um, so yeah, those are, those are my thoughts on it. Um, Drew B says Elvis under Babcock would have been a chaotic experience. Yeah, that could have been interesting. That could have been, I think Elvis is always interesting. 
under Babcock could have been really interesting. Uh, Tim M says, even though the defense system is being simplified this year, do you think there will be an adjustment period where the players struggle with it? And what do you think changes with how the forwards approach defense? Tim, I do. I, I think there's going to be an adjustment period. Absolutely. This is an incredibly young team learning a new system. So there is going to be an adjustment. You would hope that they can get a lot of that accomplished in the in the uh, preseason. But certainly it's going to be different when the games start. Um, and yes, I, I think, you know, it, it's a tricky, it's a tricky situation because I'm not sure. Excuse me. I'm not sure um, Yarmo and JD see themselves as having a ton of patience with this team. The results need to be there. But if you're Pascal Vincent, I think there is an understanding that this could take a little time for you to sort out, uh, for people to understand how you want to play at live speed and to figure out who works best with each other. So there could be some a rocky stretch for the first couple of months of the season, some instability with lines and pairs as they look to sort this out. I think that's reasonable. Um, but I don't think it's a defensive system that is going to be so difficult that it takes, you know, half the season uh, to, to, to figure it out. Um, so that's what I would say to that. Ryan C says, any updates on exemptions for Dume and the other player, Matichuk? Uh No, no update. And I, I think we're a little early on that. I think, by now, maybe they would have to look incredible for the Blue Jackets to pursue that. Although we got to be careful here, the the exemption is not for them to stay in the NHL; it's for them to go to the American Hockey League. So if you're if you're Yarmo Kekalainen and and you think that Dume and Matejchuk have already accomplished all they can accomplish at the uh, junior level, which he has said, then I'm not sure why you wait for the exemption. Or the request for an exemption. Um, the other thing is, if they're in the minor leagues AHL, they can still leave their AHL team to go to the World Juniors. That is still a thing. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't get the sense it's going to happen. It seems unlikely to me, but it is a consideration, as we've reported. Uh, Dan B says, I thought during the interview with Pascal Vincent, his intelligence of understanding the needs of each player, I thought of him nearly as a psychologist with trying to understand players. I thought he was ex impressive and still understands the expectations. Um, yeah, I think most people were left with a positive. I think most people who do hear from Pascal Vincent are left with a good impression. He's a smart guy. He's a, a kind man, for sure. And he's a really good communicator. Um, he treats people well. That, that might be very important at this juncture. Um, <laughs> I think the players want to play well for him. Excuse me. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, is there any sense of concern within the organization about being in the results of the 2018 World Junior Championships investigation? I don't think that there is. Um, but this has languished on for quite a while, and we'll wait to see what the uh, what the donate what the uh, what the the um, investigation comes up with. Um, this is another question about the Dumais matter stuck that allows them to pay in the AHL. Let me say this too about that. I don't think they would get the exemption. Uh, Shane Wright is one game and four days away from qualifying to play in the AHL. Uh, Dume and Matichuk have played more games. They don't have four seasons in the, in the junior ranks. Uh, and they're also not turning <clears throat> 20 years old until well after the January 1st cutoff. So, um, it is interesting that the Blue Jackets are considering an exemption or asking for an exemption. I don't think they, I don't think that it would be granted. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's likely, but, but, uh, keep on keeping on. Um, I want to, I want to mention this and, and thanks John T for the suggestion. The, the hockey world lost a, a great man. Uh, yesterday, Chris Snow had a lengthy battle, much longer than anybody could have predicted, with ALS, uh, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, I've known knew Chris for a very long time. He was a beat writer in Minnesota when I first started covering the NHL. Um, super smart guy, 
uh, worked his way into an a uh, executive position, not just in baseball, but also in in, in hockey. He was with the Calgary Flames uh, management for a long time. Um, he he passed away yesterday after again a long fight. His wife Kelsey has been absolutely incredible. Um, his kids, you know, best of thoughts to his kids. Um, that's who I think about um, most with this. He was diagnosed four years ago. Um, there is a GoFundMe set up uh, to help the Snow family. It was created just 12 hours ago in the wake of his passing. Um, if you if you look on GoFundMe, I'll, I'll post a link on my uh, Twitter feed, but anything you can do. The other thing that, that bears mention is Chris, of course he is, is donating his organs. And so um, many, many people will be given the gift of life based upon uh, the life of Chris Snow. Uh, and his his absolute courage in the face of an awful disease. Um, I will share this link on the on the Twitter feed. It'll probably be easiest to you find it there. You can just Google it too. It won't be hard to find. Um, so yeah, thanks for mentioning that, John T. And thanks for everybody who who chimes in. Um, I want to thank everybody for taking part today, both for stepping on stage uh, and for your text messages. Great to be with you. Uh, we'll do it again next week. I suspect these uh, training camp weeks are going to get really interesting as we move along here. Uh, more cuts to, to come for sure. They got to make some cuts. Or they got 61 players still in camp, so some tough decisions to come. That will probably those tough decisions will probably be right at the end of camp, I would imagine. Um, but stay with us on the Athletic website, Front Nationwide Podcast. Appreciate you as always, and we'll talk to you again next week. Take care.